Welcome to Poppin' the Lid on all things real estate with Tina Miller-Lite and Sherry Anhauser-Busch. Your place to tune in every Thursday, Thursday and learn all about the home buying and selling process in a fun and lighthearted manner. Happy Thursday, Thursday everyone. Here with Sherry Anhauser-Busch and Tina Miller-Lite. And today we're going to be discussing financial advising with our special guest, Brandon Itage with Endurance Financial. Did I mess it up, Brandon? Itic. Itage. The guy who has the hardest name to pronounce ever. Help me out, Udage? Brandon. Udage. 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 Is that what Udage. I said? No. What did I say? And you said like 12 different things, but not, not that. Well, he's here. Brandon Udage. Is that right? Yes. With you did school. Endurance Financial Group. So, Brandon, I've known Brandon for a really long time. He's a triathlete, a runner, a cyclist, a swimmer. He coaches. Wow. Don't you coach tri kids? Tell I me. can try youth triathlon. I can try. Actually, I just retired from that. So. You did? Just had my last practice. Oh, that means you have After more four time. years. I love it. Uh, he's also a new dog owner, has a new Great Dane puppy named. Evie, mm-hmm. are you in love? Uh, absolutely. She's cute. How she big is. is she now? Uh, she's about 20 pounds. She's 10 weeks. Oh, gosh. So. 10 weeks of 20 pounds. Yeah. So <laughs> she was 13 pounds two weeks ago. Yeah. So. She'll be sitting on the couch pretty soon. Oh, she's already. Oh, already. <laughs> I saw her yesterday, and she was just, just knocked out. And I noticed Great Danes, I don't know if this is like a Great Dane thing, but you ever notice their little tiny little toenails? They got those big old paws and these tiny little toenails. I don't understand. Well, that's probably good. Don't have to trim them. Why are you looking at me like that, Brandon? I'm just listening <laughs> to the conversation. I, th- I thought we were going into a joke there. No, no, no. Joke of the day. I, and I said to him yesterday, I was like, look how tiny these toenails are on this big old dog. Anyway, Brandon, Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What's a financial advisor? What is a financial advisor? Well, I work with people on planning their investments and taking care of their risk management. Um, We'll dive deep into what I do for my clients. Um, But essentially, most people, you want to start talking investments with them and their eyes roll to the back of their head because people don't like finance. People go to work, people earn money, people spend money, um, but they don't necessarily want to take care of what they're doing on a daily basis. So that's where I come in to help with my clients. Yeah, he's, he's helped me quite a bit. I usually, you know, I'm stubborn. Managing your money? Yes. Yes, he does like. a good job at managing my money and holding me accountable and saying, Sherry, to save some money. Sherry, you got to put some money in. He's very good. He stays on top of me. Especially every time around tax season. Yeah. Making sure she's putting in for her retirement plan. He's got my back. That's good. So what's the difference between a financial advisor and an insurance agent? Well, both serve a very important role. And um, what I do as a financial advisor, many insurance agents do as well, and that's offer the risk management products. So life insurance, long-term care, disability income, those type of things. There's also insurance agents that take care of your home and auto, as you're aware, Sherry, since that's what you do as well. Um, As a financial advisor, I take it a step further and I work with the investment side of it. So I manage people's money. And I also do the financial planning, which is the core basis of my business. Okay. What types of people do you work with? I work with all types of people. Um, Young, old, 
in between, people our age. Uh, it really depends as far as what somebody's goals are, financial goals. That's who I want to work with. I want to work with somebody that's dedicated in moving forward. Um, I'm not necessarily a financial advisor that is going to take a client and say, okay, well, I'm going to invest $10,000 and I'm not going to pay attention to it for 10 years. That's not who I am. I want to be with people that are engaged. So you have to match up the right type of client with you as an advisor, and I have to be the right type of advisor for my clients. And so um, what? So you can start at any age. Or Absolutely. Or what age do you suggest? Or you don't, it sounds like you don't have to be, you're not too old to ever start. No, you're not too old and not too young. I'm, my boys have had um, managed money since they're six years old. Oh, so wow. I work with parents who are getting things started for their kids. Uh, I work with a lot of young adults coming out of Fresno State. They don't necessarily have an, you know, a lot right now. It's not about what you have. It, the fact is it's your money. You want to make sure that it works for you. And so as long as they're a engaged individual and in what their goals are going to be and are going to work towards it, then I would take them on as a client. Um, it depends. Not all products are for all ages. And so that is very case specific for the individual and as far as what we're trying to accomplish. I would think um, coming out of college especially, that's when a lot of people um, have most debt, like coming out of school, maybe um, credit cards. Some of them get involved in credit card debt. And so I think it's that's great that it's important that you work with a lot of them at that point. Absolutely, and a lot of them are kids of clients of mine. So they've actually gone through some of the financial uh, planning stages before they even get to college. So maybe they're not taking on that debt during college, or maybe they're already aware of what credit cards can do for you. First thing I'm gonna do with all my financial clients is talk about a budget. Do you have a monthly budget? Is it written out? Is it something that you follow? Um, do you know at the end of the month, all right, have you spent too much? Have you earned enough? Um, so having a monthly budget is number one key for all ages it doesn't matter that it's just a college student or somebody uh, you know middle of their career or somebody retired you need to have a budget down and do you so you assist with making a budget I do all right you have a worksheet why are you looking at Sherry is she bad at keeping a budget? We, we worked on a budget a couple of times so <laughs> yeah. A couple times. Uh, we're not discussing me this is all about Brandon today but you just made me think of what I think might be a good idea for parents who have kids at home that, you know, they want to get out of the house, but they don't want to kick them out, and they pay them some rent, and then that rent would, could go into their 401k. What do you think about that? Because I tell clients sometimes, I have a client who's ready for their kids to, to leave, but if they're too comfortable at home, they're not going to go. So if like, just charge them rent and then put that into an account for them for a down payment on a house. But the same could be said, put that money away into a 401k for them. Well, your 401k is actually through a business. Oh, through so a, you're speaking more of an individual retirement account. An IRA. Like IRA. Okay, because that's so, what I have. That's what I'm, yes. sorry. So that that is something different. Um, and IRA, there are rules that are associated with it. So um, the individual has to have earned income in order to put into an IRA. But there are other investment vehicles that you can put away, you put money into 
for the purpose of buying a down payment or putting a down payment on a house or some other purchase down the road. Uh, and that's where a lot of liquid money can go into. So you would have a managed account that it's not a bank account. It's not, you don't have an ATM card that you can go put money in, pull money out at any time. Uh, but it is liquid that you can put money into your investments. Uh, it can be in the market and there's, it doesn't mean it has to be high risk. It could be conservative. It could be high risk. It can be somewhere in between. Um, but you're also able to pull that money out at any given time. Um, so people use that for a lot of the short-term goals. Okay. And how long have you, which it sounds like you're very well um, educated on what you're talking about. So how long have you been doing financial planning? So I was in corporate finance for 15 years in Washington, D.C. Oh, okay. before moving over to the personal finance side in 2013. So a little over 10 years I've been on the, on the personal side and I love it because I love helping individuals and sitting across the table from them and uh, trying to help them reach their goals versus another Fortune 500 company make yeah. you know, more money to the bottom dollar. So uh, I great. like where I'm at now. And the thing about Brandon is he always cares about his clients and he's going to give them the best advice possible not just to benefit him but he truly is invested in his clients and what's best for them and that's why I refer to him like my first time home buyers and people that I just want to sit down and make sure they have a plan because my goal is never just to sell a house especially the first time home buyers I'm going to be comfortable in that payment and you know be able to enjoy having that house in the peace of mind and not be afraid that they can't make their mortgage payment and that's where Brandon is a huge huge help to me well thank you Sherry you're Appreciate welcome that. you're welcome so Brandon what do you think is the minimum investment amount or what do you prefer to see as a minimum investment amount I think it all depends on what you're trying to achieve for that goal um, so a minimum investment amount for a 529 plan which is a college savings plans that's $500 to open the plan um, not necessarily something that I've been open up a managed account for uh, that's going to have a different minimum on it. So it really just depends on what the goal is and what type of investment vehicle that we're using. What have you seen in the past has so, been your most minimum amount you've started for a client? Well, and that's that's what I'm saying. It really depends on what that client is. I'll say this, as far as my clients coming out of Fresno State and opening up a Roth IRA, because Roth IRA is different than a traditional IRA, um, they will open those up with about $500. Oh, okay. And it is something just to get things saving. Mm -hmm. um, a mutual fund, the same thing. I'll open up mutual funds at $500. But as far as managed money, those will start at $25,000. So it just depends on what we're looking at. Okay. What does Roth stand for? Roth is a different type of IRA. It's, uh, so you have a traditional IRA, which is a tax-deferred account, just like your 401k or your 403b. You put money in, your money grows tax-deferred, and then when you retire, you pull it out and you are taxed on the principal that you put in there. Um, so if you have a traditional IRA at the end of the year or come tax season, you need to tell your accountant what you put into your traditional IRA because it will reduce your overall income for that year, depending on where you're at. Uh, a Roth IRA is different. It does not go into a tax-deferred account. You are paying taxes today, 
and as the account grows it is growing tax-free so when you pull it out later in life you do you are not taxed on it so the benefit of a Roth IRA is you're already taxed on the principal in, in today's tax rates which are historically low um, and then all the growth of that account you will not be taxed on there are maximums that you can earn in order to open up a Roth IRA um, but there are ways that you can still fund a Roth IRA even after you've hit certain income limits and it's called a backdoor Roth but that's really a much uh, well, a, a, a much longer discussion what, what, okay but, I think both of our eyes are like wide open what, so, we're trying to absorb all this what, but, what it, does Roth stand for something like round out there? It doesn't stand for anything. It's no, just Roth. I think it, is it short for something. Honestly, I think it was just the uh, the bill that was put in for the federal government many years ago. I don't know what. They just start, decided to call it Roth. It it was Not probably the, for Roethlisberger. Probably the senator that uh, proposed the bill initially. Okay. Yeah. So what? Uh, we're talking about taxes, tax rates. Mm -hmm. What's the historically low tax rate today that people are paying? Uh, well, anything as far as taxes, you know, I'm not the, I'm a financial advisor. I work with investments. I'm always going to uh, push you to an accountant or um, a tax preparer for your specific taxes. But uh, one thing that Trump did put in was the Trump tax cuts, which will expire as of 2026. So um, you can expect your taxes to go up in 2026, not too far from now. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, overall federal income tax rates are lower than they have historically been. So when you were talking about the Roth where, uh, I forget which one it is, where you are taxed when you, on the principal you put in, when you go to retire and, re and take it out, you're taxed at that point. So on a, on a traditional IRA, the money that you're putting in you're going to let your accountant know because it's going to reduce your income for this year. Okay. And then it's going to be in that account in what's called tax deferred. You're not paying taxes today. You're deferring the taxes until you pull it out. Okay. A Roth, you're paying taxes today. You're putting the money into the account. The account grows. When you pull it out, you are not taxed. Okay. So when you are on the one where you do take the taxes out once you retire, you're paying whatever the tax rate is at that at time. At that time, yep. Gotcha. Okay. Brandon, is there a life event that usually triggers somebody seeking your services? Uh, yes, I mean, there's, unfortunately, it depends on what the uh, services that they are looking for. So on the risk management side, People typically come to me with life insurance questions when there's been either a death in the family or happier time when there's a you know a newborn in the family and the mom and dad want to get life insurance we make sure that the family's taken care of um, on the investment side I would say the number one time that people reach out to me is because they now have a lump sum of money that they didn't have previously mm. um, then number one time and that would be is when you are changing your jobs and you have a 401k or a 403b at your work and now you've left that place of employment whether it's because you're moving somewhere else or you're retiring you now have a lump sum of money and that's what I would take and help them roll it into a traditional IRA um, and they you know depending on the accounts that they're in they could leave it there 
uh, although they're not getting the management, the uh, professional financial management on that type of account, where you can roll it into a traditional IRA and have the world to be able to invest in and you have my services. So that's what happened with me, right? Yes. I had this with my company. It was no longer my money. It was just sitting there doing absolutely nothing until Brandon came along. was like, oh my gosh, we need to do this. And now my money is growing. And so that's why Brandon's awesome. <laughs> What's one thing that everyone should have that most people don't? Well, the number one thing I tell all my clients is, you know, on top of the budget that we've already talked about, is a financial plan really need to have a financial plan in place. Um, a budget is one portion of that financial plan, but the plan, it's gonna, it's your roadmap for the next five, 10, 15, 40 years down the road. So is it, it's long-term planning for retirement, it's short-term planning for maybe purchasing a home or a new car, it's uh, middle of the road, so you have kids that are young now, but they're going to be going to college in 10, 15 years. A financial plan helps you and guides you uh, with your investment choices. So it's not just a retirement, but it's it's an all-encompassing financial plan. Do you meet with clients regularly to go over that plan, see where they're at, and see if they need to make any changes? Absolutely. So it really depends on what the client wants, though. Okay. So. Some clients want a written financial plan, uh, with, with what I would call a point-in-time plan. It's essentially they want a one-time plan. They want to know where they're at, and they want to build a map going forward, um, and I will do that for them, but then they're going to take it going forward. Other clients of mine want that same service, however, they want it on an ongoing basis. And those clients I actually give a personal website to, a dashboard, where it brings in all of their accounts, not just their accounts with me, but they can bring in their, their bank accounts, their uh, mortgages, their car payments or credit cards. They can bring in their 401k from their employer uh, into a single dashboard so they can see all their accounts in one place. Um, and then they can make changes to the, the plan at any given time. So they can say, okay, you know, having car troubles and I want to buy a car in two years. Well, we're going to project that out in their plan. We say, okay, what kind of car are you looking at? What is the cost going to be? Where are we going to pull this money from? You have these different accounts. How do we want to plan um, where that money is going to come from? What's going to best serve the client? So it may be pulling out of a savings account. It may be creating a new account just for that purchase. It depends really on the client. That's really cool. I like yeah, that you can do I that. Love it. I remember when you got that program, how excited oh, yes. you were about it. You nonstop talking about this thing. Was so I still excited. Am. I mean, look at his face right now. <laughs> well, and it's also a way for you to track to keep your clients moving forward and making sure that they're engaging mm -hmm. and they can enter their information through the dashboard. Well, and it does cost money. So if you're, yeah. if they're not an engaged client, it doesn't make sense for <laughs> to have something like this. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's, and it's not just the investment side, it's the expenses side too. So you come at the end of the year, if you know, most people I ask, you know, even on a monthly basis, a lot of times I'll sit down with a husband and wife and I'll say, okay, you guys each create a budget on your own because they're two different individuals. They're seeing money being spent in a different way 
and so I'll meet with them and we'll come together and we'll compare the two budgets and then we'll create one that makes sense for them as a family. Are there um, ever fights? Well, do you have to yeah. referee some fights? I, you know, I could be a therapist at sometimes too. So there's no couch in my office. But. <laughs> Sounds like real estate. <laughs> do you advise all home buyers to consult with their financial advisor before they purchase a home? I think anytime you're making a major purchase, and I, I'll give you a personal story of myself. When I bought my very first home, um, I was about 30 years old and I bought a home at the top of the market and overpaid for this thing. So I overpaid for this house and um, several years later, moving out of state, I needed to get rid of it. And of course the markets went down um, and I could not get rid of this house. I, so I had to get renters. Well, of course the rent didn't even cover the mortgage. So I was taking a monthly loss on this house. Um, if I would have worked with somebody, a professional in that industry, I could have made a more informed decision about what I was doing at that time. Um, so just circling back on it as far as, you know, somebody working with a financial advisor when they're purchasing a home for the first time, I think you need to, you know, you need to work with your your entire sphere of expertise in, in the market. So whether it's your real estate agent that's helping you buy the house, it's a, the mortgage person that's getting the right mortgage for you, it's your advisor that is gonna say, okay, how are we gonna pay for this? How is it gonna affect your monthly budget? Um, are you getting into something that you shouldn't be getting into? Because no offense, but as real estate agents, so many real estate agents are gonna tell you, well, you can afford this much of a house and you know, uh, me as a financial advisor say, okay, well, you can afford that much of a house and take about a 50% 50, 50 haircut off of that. So might be coming from a different perspective on that. Yeah, that's true. A lot of times working with clients, I tell them when they're first starting to meet with a lender to see you know, what kind of mortgage they can get and how much they're comfortable paying, I always tell them, you know, you'll probably get pre-approved for something a lot higher than what, you're, what you can afford. What, what you're willing to pay. So make sure that you have that conversation with your lender or your financial advisor on what exactly it is you're good paying as far as a mortgage. So that makes sense. And if you have, if you've already done that financial plan, you already know this before coming into the home buying stage. You'll, you would have planned this thing out for six months, 12 months, two years before this stage. So you will know what the uh, what's in your budget as far as what you can afford uh, and how it's going to affect your budget going forward now the markets do change so the even you know the real estate markets you have hot times you have cold times uh, so you know that's something that you have to be aware of but if you get in a situation where I was where I had to move out of state and then I couldn't get rid of my house um, you know I was taking a several hundred dollar month loss and you know that that affects my my budget of that day so you know you always want to advise your clients as far as what they can they can realistically get into now do you ever suggest pulling from your 401k for a down payment on a home that's a tricky situation because it's it, once again it's going to be really client 
it's going to be an individual case by case basis I guess um, as a whole I would say no and there's a couple different reasons so let's talk about when you pull when you take a loan off your 401k what it is first of all not everybody can pull from their 401k just because you have a 401k doesn't mean that your plan allows you to pull money from it it may or may not it all depends on what the plan sponsor and the uh, the business set up at the time when they put the 401k in place now people associate the term I'm taking a loan for my 401k and I'm gonna pay it back with an interest one of the benefits of that is it's not really a loan you are pulling your own money um, so if it was coming to um, do a credit analysis on your end of whether they're going to qualify or not. Um, the benefit of pulling for your 401k is it's not a debt ratio. It's not going to count towards uh, somebody's credit score because it is their money. The other part about that is uh, the interest rates as far as what you pull from your 401k tend to be very low. When you pay that interest back, you're actually paying yourself back. So it does go back into your whole investment. Um, so let's say you pull money out of your 401k, let's say you pull up 25,000 and you're charged a 1% interest rate on that. Um, the plan itself is going to give you the structure as far as how you pay that back and the timeframes. Most time people pull from their 401k, it's for a short time frame. It's for one year. Um, you can pull longer, such as for the down payment of the house, and they might extend it to a five-year period. Uh, but even if you're looking at a 1% interest rate on that loan from your own 401k, you have to take into consideration as far as, well, what were you earning off that 401k? So if you historically were earning 8%, and you can't, and you can't say, well, historical numbers are earning you know, tell me what's going to happen in the future because it is markets, markets go up, markets go down. But if you're earning 8% over a historical period and you're paying a 1% interest rate on it, you're actually paying that 1% to yourself. So that's going to go back into it. Um, but that, that money that you pulled out is not in your 401k helping you earn. So you are losing, you know, whatever that interest rate or whatever that return on the investment rate was during that period that you pulled it out. So it's not that it's free. It's yeah. still costing you money. Um, so you're going to pay the full sum back into you your 401k? Have to, you have to pull, uh, pay the full sum back into your 401k. The other disadvantage of it, unlike getting a traditional uh, loan for a mortgage, is it's not tax deductible. So what you pull out of your 401k, you are not going to write that off on your taxes for the year. Um, so long term for pulling for a mortgage, uh, it, it does happen. I'm not, not going to say 100% of the time that people shouldn't do it. Is it the right course of action most of the time? Probably not. Um, the other thing about it is the interest rates, I know the interest rates are a little bit higher than what they were just a couple years ago but they're still historically low if you yeah. look over the past 30 40 years interest rates are still low 
Um, so I don't know that you're necessarily going to, you're going to get the benefit out of pulling out your 401k. Uh, if you pull a loan out of your 401k, and this is what uh, a lot of people are not aware of, and you leave your company, you need to pay that back. You have a window, a 60-day window, that you have to pay that loan back. If you don't pay it back um, and you're under 59 and a half, you're going to be assessed a 10% penalty for pulling out of your retirement account early, and it's going to go against your income taxes for that year as, um, as income. So those are things to be aware of. So if somebody pulls out of their 401k for a down payment, and then they have to pay it back within, what was the time frame? Depends on what the plan, uh, that plan has set up. So. Most short-term loans are within a year. So that would be a monthly payment that they're going to be making towards their, I already paid that back? Yes, and it's typically pulled from their paycheck. So this is going to be something, this is a good question I never thought of to check with a lender. So if you're pulling money out of your 401k for a down payment, how's that going to affect your your mortgage payment, your pre-qualification? Mm-hmm. That's a good... But you... Uh, you do about. have to really look at what your 401k plan shows um, because they're all different. I mean, it, it just depends on how the plan was set up. Now, if you're talking about an IRA account, you can't do it at all. You cannot pull a loan off your Roth IRA or your traditional IRA. What about pulling money out for remodels or home maintenance related to the house? Once again, I mean, what was the purpose of you setting up the 401k? It's for your retirement. If you are pulling something out of that retirement, um, just know how it's going to affect your plan going forward. Uh, you still have to pay it back. So um, I know, Sherry, you and I talked about somebody pulling out of the 401k to do a kitchen remodel, I think you said, and then it's to flip a house and, and they're going to get it back. Are they going to be able to... To return that within a year, what if something happens with their their job? Um, you know, those are things that they they have to be aware of. That you know, okay, what if they can't sell the house, but now they have to pay back this loan to their four hundred one k? The other part about it is, what loan do they need? What amount do they need? So, most plans are going to limit you at fifty percent of your balance, or fifty thousand dollars. So is that going to be enough for whatever you're trying to do? So once again, you really want to know what your 401k plan allows. It seems like it makes more sense to do a home equity loan for stuff like that rather than pulling out of your 401k. It really just depends. And that's, you know, I, I know I keep going back to it, but if you have a financial plan in place, mm-hmm. you know your roadmap. Well, yeah, I mean, earlier you were talking about there's options for people as far as if they know down the road they want to purchase a home or do remodels. There's other types of invest investments they can make. Yes, and to, that's to and that what we plan for. Okay, good to know. I'd always heard about the 401k. Always in my mind, I knew it was never a good idea to take from your 401k to purchase a home or do big purchases. And I never quite understood why. But now, I understand why. Yeah, and I, you know, yeah. I will say that there are those instances that it makes the most sense to do that. But... Um, you know, that's really when you want to talk with your professionals in the different industries and make sure it makes sense for your situation. 
Yeah. Now, is there anything happening with California legislation today that people need to know about? Oh, goodness, yes. In California, <laughs> we're like most states, but um, yes. So there is a bill that's going forward. Um, it's called AB 567, and it's on long-term care insurance. So state of Washington last year became the first state to require long-term care for their citizens. Now, um, the California bill that they're working on is going to look quite different than the state of Washington, and California is one of about 20 states looking at this right now, but the cost for long-term care has skyrocketed, and most people haven't planned for it. So um, think back to like Social Security. So many people believe that Social Security is their retirement savings. Social Security was never meant to be their retirement savings. It was meant to be a supplement to the retirement savings. Um, Long-term care planning is the same thing. Long-term care costs keep going up and people believe that Medicare is going to cover their long-term care. Medicare does not cover for long-term care in a extended period. Some people, depending on what type of supplement they have or a Medicare Advantage plan, might get 100 days of long-term care services, depending on what it is. But uh, you're not going to get that extended, you know, 17 months, which is the average stay right now for somebody in a long-term care facility. So California um, thinks it's best that they're going to go ahead and tax you for it. So they're working on a bill right now that if you do not have a individual long-term care plan, then you're going to go into a state-funded plan that you're going to be taxed. Um, and I can't tell you what that tax is going to be. I can tell you that state of Washington is 0.55% um, of income tax on W-2 earners. California is going to be, well, what they're talking about is it's going to be on all earners. And looking at what Washington's charging, it's not enough. So California, supposedly, um, we'll see what happens with it, is going to be about 1% of your income is going to be taxed for long-term care. The benefit amount we're talking about right now is between $3,000 and $6,000 a month. We're here in Fresno. The average long-term care right now in Fresno is $6,000. If you're in LA or San Francisco or San Diego, it's a whole lot more than it is Fresno. So you can see even what they're going to be charging you um, as far as the tax rate and what your benefits are, it will not be enough to cover your long-term care. So, so that's why it'll be a supplement. It's still a supplement, yeah. but they, the state wants to make sure that you have something as far as coverage. The other part about it is um, they're looking at a three to six month maximum to cover you. So if the average stay right now is, is 17 months and you're, what you're going to get out of the state funding is three to six months, you can see you're going to be yeah. short there as well. What happens? Um, what happens well, after you, you're cut off? What happens <laughs> a lot right now is uh, people spend everything they have and then they go on a Medi-Cal. And then what happens is Medi-Cal uh, will cover it. And then once the individual passes away, then Medi-Cal will um, recover as much as they can from the individual's estate. Gotcha. Well, that was just a depressing way to end the podcast today, Brendan. I feel like we should ask that well, question first. But you know what? I mean, that's 
reality. He's just letting us know what's going on and what's coming up, what we can expect. And you can have a second drink after that one. Another. So instead of having to work the first however many months a year to go towards your taxes, it'll probably be the first half of the year you work to pay taxes, and then what's the last six months you're actually... Um, that's your savings. And just one follow-up <laughs> on that on the uh, bill is it's not expected to pass for a couple more years. However, they've already put a date as of January 1st of 2024 that you have to have your plan by. So if you do not get to plan this year, even if it passes in 2025, California is planning on going retroactively to tax you for it. Where do we get the plan from? Well, you want to get it through somebody that's licensed to do a long-term care insurance plan. Um, I do it as a financial advisor, but not all financial advisors do. Um, also, a lot of insurance agents will do long-term care. So once again, reach out to your advisor, reach out to your agent, reach out to me. So your financial advisor or your, your insurance, like your life insurance person. Yeah, and if they if they don't do it, then they will likely know somebody that they can refer you to. Okay, perfect. Well, lots of great information today. Brandon, thanks for coming. Go home and snuggle your dog and make people a lot of money today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you guys thank all you, have Brandon. a blessed day. Yeah, we'll definitely have your information uh, listed on the podcast. So if anybody wants to reach out, has questions for you, they can reach you directly. Perfect, thanks. Yeah. Okay, peace, love, and real estate.